Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Drew Brees, Sean Payton, Reggie Bush, Stephen Jackson, Derek Anderson, Brandon Browner. I mean, I'm not a sports guy, but I've heard of most of these names and I looked up the rest. Were you the guy in the locker room who was always like talking about mindsets and stuff, (laughs) driving everybody crazy? I mean, how did you get this stuff? I always would sort of do things against the grain, if you will. And so I never liked anyone telling me what I could and couldn't do. This is the Art of Charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. The Art of Charm is where ordinary guys become extraordinary men. Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best minds in the industry to teach you how to crush it in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise and packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a curriculum. We've created one of the premier lifestyle programs available anywhere, and it's free. This is the show we wish we had a decade ago. Make sure to stay up to date with everything going on here and get some great content and free products and books that we don't or can't share on the show by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. This show is about you. We're here to help you become the best you can be in every area of your life. If you're new to the show but you want to know where to begin or find out more about what we teach here at the Art of Charm Live programs in LA, go to the website and we'll email you a starter kit of all the top shows here on the Art of Charm podcast and we'll also send you the fundamentals such as body language, eye contact, vocal tonality, dating and attraction, business networking and negotiation, relationship management, public speaking and more, pretty much all the stuff we'd wish we'd learned and mastered years ago. We've got our live programs running every single week here in Los Angeles, California, and we have guys from all over the world, which shows that no matter where you are, you can make it here if you're committed to learning and growing. Details on that at theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp, or give us a call here in the office, 888-413-7177, or you can email me, jordan at theartofcharm.com. I read everything. You can test me. I'm looking forward to meeting you here at AOC. Today we're talking with Olani Shobomehin. He's a former NFL running back for the Saints, firefighter, owner of Pro Squad Athletics. He helps athletes on developing habits, mindsets, and systems for big-time results in sports. Don't switch this thing off if you're not an athlete. There's a lot here for everybody in every area. He just happens to coach athletes, but the principles hold strong. He's got a principle called Prime Time, which is a strategy for overcoming fear and anxiety and turning it into confidence, really solid, really in alignment with AOC structures, why beliefs are the real reason why you haven't succeeded yet, how to change that, why he surveys his wife and kids every week, and why being uncomfortable is the absolute best way to grow. So enjoy this one with Olani Shobomehin. But your first name is Olani, is that close? Olani, yep. Olani, okay, and the last one is Sobomahin. Yep, sure. It's actually S. It's like a pronounced like S H. So it's Shabomahin. Shabomahin. Wow, it was really close. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, if you just kind of read it slowly, like it's not one of those names that's too far from you know how it looks. So, which is cool. The only thing is you have that extra H sound in there, but everything else is just like it sounds, which is kind of exactly. so. What? Where's that from? That's obviously not standard. Right. My dad is from Nigeria, so it's a Nigerian name, 
And uh, the cool thing is I go by Nii Shobo, which is a lot easier. So, like, most guys that I know refer to me as Shobo or Nii. You know what I mean? Right. So even my parents call me Nii. So very few people still call me Ola Nii. And especially, it's got to be something short because you were, you know, you were running back for the NFL and the Saints. And so they have to be able to say it quick while they're announced. They can't just be like, and then uh, what uh, that, uh, you know, with the guy with the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Get, you got yeah. You get a nickname if people can't fire it off in two tries in the NFL, right? That's the rule. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So right now you're doing a lot of interesting stuff as well. I, I know you've got Pro Squad Athletics. Tell us in one sentence what that does, and we'll spend the rest of the show fleshing that out. Okay. So basically, Pro Squad Athletics, which is recently morphed into I'm Not You dot com, I basically teach young athletes how to dominate their sport by applying the same strategies, mindset, systems, and habits that dominant players do. And why do you think that's so important? I mean, the I'm not you. Originally, when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's a little harsh. But you're not saying that you're not them. You're saying the person who's engaged in what you're teaching is not everyone else, right? Exactly. Okay. So it's pretty much a mindset that you've got to embody if you really want to achieve the goals that you're trying to achieve. And so one of the things that I really believe is that, you know, your beliefs really shape everything that you do or don't do. So wherever you're at in life, you can trace it back to something that you believe. And I found that to have the belief system that I'm not you, meaning I'm willing to do things that you're not willing to do in order to get where I want to get. If you have that mindset and you can, if you if you really, you know, consciously adopt that, you know, you will get a lot farther than than you've ever imagined that you could. And so it's a mindset that I do my best to instill in my young athletes. And we do that in a lot of ways. And it's it's been extremely fun. It's a, it's a big passion of mine. Yeah. One of the reasons you're a good fit for what we do here on the show is that at Art of Charm, we know your beliefs influence your actions, which influence your results. And nobody would ever argue that your actions don't influence your results, right? I mean, if you smoke cigarettes and you don't work out and you eat crappy food, you get fat, you get lazy, you get out of shape. But what people don't realize, they don't zoom out far enough to, to look at this, and this is what you're doing, that it's your beliefs that determine that, right? If you're If you're doing those things, if you're not doing what you need to do to get ahead, there's a belief problem, there's a mindset problem in there somewhere, and the problem with that stuff is it's really insidious. Like you think, oh, my genetics are bad or, you know, I'm really stressed out. You don't go, oh, I believe that the only way that I can cope with stress is smoking and eating. Or I believe that I don't have time to work out because I'm a special snowflake and my life's harder than everyone else or whatever. Exactly, man. And to go right alongside of that is your emotions. So your beliefs directly affect your emotions. And a lot of people don't understand how important how you feel is every day and how your feelings and your emotions are directly affected by your beliefs, which is why you don't end up taking the action you need to because you always feel a certain way. And so it's funny, like when you ask people, one of the first things I do when I sit down with athletes is, you know, ask them what they want, what are their goals? You know what I mean? And then once we sort of get past that, I ask them, so what's the reason you're not making the progress that you want? And then when you get the real answer to that, when you start hearing people talk to about why they don't have the results that they want, then you start getting into what they really believe. You know what I mean? And then Sure enough, this is the reason why you're not at where you want to be at. And so that's why I've been doing a lot of that with myself as well, just analyzing myself and trying to figure out, you know, how can I take the steps necessary in order to get to where I want to go? Because we always have different strategies and things that we want to do. We're always, you know, infatuated with the latest thing that we have to do. But we don't realize that if you actually get to the root problem of it, which is what you believe, like you could actually be a lot more effective when you do implement these things. Yeah, of course. What are some of the common belief issues that you see, especially among some of the younger athletes that aren't making the progress? Because you said you drill down to right, the belief right. system. What do you commonly hear? Uh, that's a great question. So 
So when you first say it, when I first ask the question, inevitably, they always sort of tell me the things that they think that I want to hear, right? Right. You get like the fake answer. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Like they say something and then they justify it with, well, I know that's not true, but, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So one of the ways I frame the question is like, I want you to act like you're in a confessional. You know what I mean? And you're you're telling the priest exactly why it is that you're not where you're at, where you're at. And, you know, what are some of the frustrations and what are the reasons you feel like you're not at where you want to be in life? And so without fail, like once we do that, we start to find out the real reason. And some of those things for them is they feel like they don't have the talent. You know what I mean? They don't have like what it takes. So they they may feel like they're not tall enough. They, they're not fast enough. And so then I ask them, so what would you have to believe in order to believe that you're not fast enough? And so they have to believe that, you know, you have to be a certain height in order to do X, Y and Z or you have to have certain physical qualities about yourself in order to achieve this. You know what I mean? And so that's just a big example of some of the baseline things. And then a lot of times they feel like they don't have the right strategy. You know what I mean? They feel like they don't have the right sort of tools at their disposal. So they look at other people who have the success that they want and they say, well, they had this, this and this, and I don't have that. So that means that I don't have that. And so I think that's a lack of creativity, a lack of basically knowing how to use your resources. And so that's another thing that we dive into once we figure out that 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 actually is what they believe. How did you learn all this stuff, Nia? I mean, you've worked with and played for like Drew Brees, Sean Payton, Reggie Bush, Stephen Jackson, Derek Anderson, Brandon Browner. I mean, I'm not a sports guy, but I've heard of most of these names and I looked up the rest. And most (laughs) people who are sports guys have heard of these people like, you know, these are household names. How did you get into the heads of these guys. I mean, were you the guy in the locker room who was always like talking about mindsets and stuff, driving <laughs> everybody crazy? I mean, how'd you get this stuff under your belt? No, it's crazy, man. And I, I've thought about that a lot, but in a short answer, it's, it's, I've decided to figure out the, the answer to these questions that I'm coming up or that I've, that I've sort of posed. But when I was younger, man, like I, I was the third out of four boys and I sort of always did things. I was the middle child. I guess I had middle child syndrome. So I always would sort of do things against the grain, if you will. And so I never liked anyone telling me what I could and couldn't do. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I would just go against the grain just to do it. But a lot of those times, th- those things benefited me. So my brothers all play soccer. I fell in love with football when I was in seventh grade and I never looked back. I hated people telling me that, like, be realistic or, you know, oh, just yeah. focus on the process. I hated that. So I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want to do what I want to do. And so... Like I was very instinctual. Like I listened to my instincts and I just went after it. And so, um, that got me pretty far, you know, in my, in my sports career and things like that. And then since retiring, there was like a big void. Like it's like I was trying to figure out what's next. You know what I mean? And then so I started doing a lot of reading. Like reading has been one of the most important habits that I've taken on. And so I read tons of books, man. And like, and so I'm learning all these different things and I'm realizing what made me successful with all these other things that I'm doing. I can just apply that you know, to a different thing now, you know what I mean? I can apply the same strategy, the same mindset that made me great in my sport. I can apply that, you know, to my business, to my family, to my relationships with my kids, to my relationship with my wife. And so I was realizing that I was making a lot of the same excuses that I would never make as an athlete. You know what I mean? And so I like the type of things that I really prided myself on, uh, you know, as a great athlete, I wasn't applying those things to myself, you know, in my business life, in my, in my personal life. And so Basically, man, a lot of reading, a lot of self-analysis, I mean, aggressive self-analysis, you know what I mean? Where I'm constantly every single day evaluating every single move that I'm making and it's become like a priority of mine. So instead of being obsessed with sort of all these things that I can do, right, 
Like I actually, when I read, I actually do what it says in the book. You know what I mean? Like, and I actually follow up on it and test it and uh, sort of experiment with it. And it's been amazing, man. It's been like, this is literally like the most fun chapter of my life, man. And I'm like really excited about the things that are happening as a result. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned a few things in there. You read a book, you, you hear of an exercise and you actually do it. It's really interesting to see whenever I give drills and exercises and stuff like that, people will email me and they'll often go, great, you know, what, what can I do to improve? And I'll give them something to do. And then they'll come back and go, okay, what else? And I'm like, well, did you do the yeah. first thing? And they're like, well, you know, not really. I mean, I kind of did it, you know, in my head. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's funny because it's the same thing that happens with my athletes. I'll, you know, I'll meet an athlete and they tell me all these things they want to do. And, you know, it sounds good. And I'm like, all right, this guy's really got it going on. He's going to be willing to do the things that it takes, right? Right. And so the first thing that I set up with them is called target practice. And it's basically a set of really simple exercises and drills that are relevant to this particular athlete that they need to do every single day. So not five out of seven, not six out of seven, but seven out of seven days. And I want to report back in two weeks. And I always tell them this should be 100%. Like, this is like a no brainer. You know what I mean? Like, this is very easy. It takes you 15 to 20 minutes a day. And then, you know, I meet them in a week and I'm asking them how they're doing or the next week. And then they're saying, oh, well, uh, you know, I had this and, you know, my dad forgot to do this. And I'm just like, man, if you're not willing to do the little things that it takes, because it's really not that complicated, like success is not really like complicated, but that doesn't always mean that it's easy. So you can find whatever it takes in order to get where you're trying to get. Like you can break it down really easy. Like you can find out how to run an online business right now, just going on blogs and stuff. But can you do it? Like, actually, are you actually going to do it and apply it in aggressive, systematic type of way? That's and apply consistency. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, that's like to me, that's like one of the best things you can learn how to do is just apply discipline and be like very aggressive on a daily basis with what you're going after. And you'll find that it actually it's not that difficult. You know what I mean? No, you're right. It it requires discipline. Well, here's the thing that I, I think a lot of people don't really understand that took me years to learn. Discipline only counts when you need it. Yeah. If you're like really stoked, you can't wait to get to the gym, you're feeling really good, you just had a nice light meal, you know, you stretched out in the morning, you know, you went out, it's nice and sunny outside, you you can't wait to hit the weight. You don't need discipline to go to the gym then. You need discipline when you're like a little bit hungover, you woke up late, <laughs> exactly. you know, you don't have that much time, it's raining, and then you're just like, well, you're going to go bike to the gym? And you're like, nah, that's yep. when you need the discipline. Exactly, man. It's the same thing with being an athlete, man. It's it's really easy to get all fired up for the season opener, you know what I mean? But what about week six, week seven, you know what I mean? When it's starting to get a little cold outside, when you've lost a couple of times, you're starting to feel those injuries and stuff. And then without fail, man, you go in the locker room and you see, like, let's take the example of a guy like Drew Brees. You watch his habits and the things that he does on a daily basis, daily. Like, it doesn't matter who you're preparing for, whether it's preseason or, you know, midseason. And you'll be able to see the guys that have the success. And that was one of the things that was fascinating to me is, you know, when I first got to the league, I'm like looking at all these guys like, man, I play video games with these guys. You know what I mean? And so Mm. when I look at their habits and then I look at everyone else's, it's no mystery why they're, you know, the best in the NFL and some of them Hall of Famers already. You know what I mean? Because all you got to do is just watch what they do every day. He's the first person in, last person out, doing all those little drills and exercises before practice after practice, all those things that are sort of annoying that no one really wants to do, but he's able to get himself to do it. 
that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, no, you're right. Even in high school, when I was playing football, and I didn't go to like one of those football high schools like they have in Texas, where it's like it's on TV and stuff. Right, you right. Know, I went to a regular suburban football high school where you do your homework and it's as important as practice for most people, and nobody's going to play. One or two guys go as like walk-ons to University of Michigan, and no one's going pro or anything like that. And even then, our coach was really good, and and he would take the quarterback or the two or three guys that wanted to play quarterback for the team. And he'd go, all right, who wants to really be the quarterback? Who wants to be the varsity quarterback? And of course they all raise their hands and he's like, great. Uh, tomorrow be here at six. They're running plays and talking about how to make strategic decisions before school starts. Then right. you go to school, then you go to practice and then yep. everybody else leaves practice. And he goes, all right, QBs stay with me. We got in and they would have like, I don't even know how long they would stay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was exactly. I guarantee you it was dark by the time they got home because we we had long ass practices. I mean, three plus hours. And if they were staying longer than that to throw the ball around, I mean, they probably got home at like nine. Yeah, exactly, man. And and it's funny because that's the stuff that people don't see. And then it becomes easy, you know. Like I said, when I talk to these athletes, one of the reasons is, oh, I don't have this talent or I'm not this tall. But how do you explain, you know, even a Drew Brees who's five eleven? He's not six five. He's not six six. He's not faster than anybody. But once you you see what it takes to actually do it, it's a scapegoat. It's easy to say, you know, I don't have X, Y, Z or I don't have this skill or that. But everyone has the ability to stay after practice and mm -hmm. study more film. Everybody has the ability to get up early and do those drills that nobody else is willing to do. I mean, even you look at Peyton Manning. I mean, the guy's like, you know, going on 40, you know, had like three neck surgeries and he's playing the best ball of his life. And it's it's not because he's some freak athlete. He is tall, but he's not a freak athlete. He watches like 40 hours of film a week. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So he literally knows like every single play that comes at him. He's prepared better than anybody else is prepared. It's the same thing with Tom Brady, man. Like I'm I'm a big Tom Brady guy. I love Tom Brady, man. The dude is the like the least athletic dude on the field at any <laughs> given time. And He's the best quarterback that ever played, in my opinion. Four Super Bowls. You know what I mean? Like, how do you do that? Like, how do you explain that when you go, if you just go online and look at his combine picture, it's the picture that they take at the NFL combine. I mean, just look how the dude looks. He looks like he works at a grocery store. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and now he's literally the best quarterback that ever played. You know what I mean? He's just doing it, you know, close to 40 years old. And so it really just debunks this, this whole myth that, you know, you got to be this tall or you got to have this skill. And it's the same thing with anything that you're doing in life. Like, it's so easy to make excuses for why you're not where you want to be. But all you got to do is just read a book. Like, look at all these people who did things that, you know, were so hard to do. There's no way to explain why you can't do the same thing as well. Yeah, it is interesting to see that they're at the end of the all of those drills and exercises, even in in high school football. There was one varsity quarterback but it wasn't the guy who beat out everyone else and it was like this sore subject and there was a second yeah. stringer that was no, he was just the guy that kept showing up at six. Exactly. Everybody else was like, oh, I'm friggin' tired, yeah. I'm not gonna make it, I'm busy, I got homework. Those guys they just crapped out and then it was only the one guy. Yep, exactly, man. I love that, dude. I love that. Yeah, there's not a lot of traffic on the last mile because, you know, a lot of what we do is consistency. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all gonna give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash charm. Just go to Indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Back to the show. We have a great team. We got smart people. You can't really, there's no substitute for that. But, you know, we had a great early start when we started our show eight years ago that most people didn't have. But also, people consistently write in and go, whoa, you do answer all your email. Wow, how do you release so many shows? How did you release this online thing? How come you're at this event speaking? Because I don't go, oh man, you know, I'm really tired. I'll, I'll do this another time. You know, I prioritize accordingly. I make sacrifices all the time. And so people who have tried to like steal from the company or steal ideas from us or steal IP from us or even just try to start their own shop, we don't even worry about it because me and my business partners know that once they even get a sniff of the amount of work that this takes, they're gone in a few months, few weeks, exactly. few months, at most a couple of years, because it's very difficult. The consistency is always the key. Exactly, man. And it fits right. I mean, that exactly explains the concept behind I'm not you. So you're basically saying I'm not you. Like, I'm willing to do the things that you're not willing to do. So like, while most people give up, like you're reing up, like you're recommitting, you know what I mean? And you know that you're going to outlast the next guy. You know what I mean? And that that like is a big source of pride for me. So when I'm doing something and I hear a certain statistic, like like you always hear the business statistics, like this many businesses fail or this percent of guys go to the league. I'm not trying to hear that. I know that I'm willing to do the thing. So I think you're talking about everybody else who likes to quit, you know, when it gets tough and like to do X, Y, and Z, but that's not me. You know what I mean? And this is one of the things that I brought with me, you know, all the way since I was in high school to when I was in the NFL, like, at my last year at Portland State, I was having the best season of my career. I broke my wrist, you know, uh, three games before the season end. And I was starting to get some looks from the NFL and things like that. Like everyone was telling me and they weren't saying like in a really like sort of rude way, but they're basically saying like your chances aren't that good. You know, what I mean, let's be honest, like you're coming from Portland State. You had a great season, but you're not like ranked top five or anything like that. You know, and not only that, now you have a broken wrist and you're not going to be able to bench press at the combine, which is like a huge deal. And I'm thinking like, what you mean? Like. I'm not you. Like, I mean, I, there's still a lot of other things that I can do in order to get myself a look. All it takes is one team. And you know what I mean? All I need one team to fall in love with me. That's it. Or to give me a shot. And that's it. And so that led me, that belief led me to do things that other people were not willing to do. So I had a cast on the whole time I was preparing for my pro day. 
I did like four squat workouts a week and I only focused on speed and agility and my lower body because that's all I, I really could do. Right, right. And by the time that, you know, the combine showed up, I had my cast off, but my wrist looked like a stick. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it didn't matter because I ran the fastest 40 time out of all the fullbacks there. You know what I mean? And not only that, like my speed and agility was, was out the park because that's all I focused on. So I could have said, you know, I'm not going to get there because I have a, a wrist injury. But I was like, I know that I'm willing to do the things that other guys aren't willing to do. I know that this injury would have sidelined a lot of other guys and made him retire, but not me. You know what I mean? And so that's why that mindset is so valuable. And, and just like you talked about, you guys have had that art of charm where you're able to outlast other guys. Even if somebody's stealing your junk, you look at them like, you could take my stuff, but you're not going to implement it like I can. Because right. You don't have the discipline. You don't have the consistency. You don't have the vision that I have. And you're not me. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, of of course, a hundred percent. That's it. And people around the world who are listening to this are thinking, oh, well, you know, I'm not doesn't necessarily the smartest, or I'm not the guy who's going to be able to do this. I don't have the highest level of technical skill. And one of the things that we teach is, you know, your people skills, the relationships that you create are going to take you past that. But in part, the other part of it is is sheer hustle. And I don't mean just like you don't have to necessarily be willing to sleep onto your desk at the office to get ahead. But you have to be willing to take your comparative advantage like you did with, you know, you worked on your lower body speed and agility because you didn't have the ability to work on the upper body at the time. You've got to take your maybe your people skills and know, listen, I'm never going to be the most technically skilled lawyer or I'm never going to be the doctor that has this you know level of education or opportunity. But I'm going to take what I do have, which is X, Y and Z and leverage it. You know, you're going to break the stick off leveraging this. Exactly. And it's like, you really only have to focus on two things. And, and I read this in a book. It was a Brian Tracy book and I loved it, man. It's so, it's so simple. And I tell my kids this all the time. And I like randomly, I'll be like, I'll just ask them, what are the two things that successful people think about? And they say what they want and how to get it. It's such a simple rule, but it's like, instead of complaining about what you don't have or where you're at or whatever it is that you, you want to complain about or talk about as limitations, just focus on what you want and then worry about how to get it. You know what I mean? And so. I like, I love using the sports analogies, but you watch great quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Let's take a Tom Brady. He'll throw an interception, right? And he'll get mad about it. Like, so it's not like he's not human. He's got, he's got emotions. He'll get mad. He might throw a water bottle or something, but 30 seconds later, his head is buried in his playbook. You know what I mean? He's worried about how to get back on the field and, you know, get what his ultimate result. You know what I mean? And so we can apply that. Like we can basically say, you know, we don't have X, Y, and Z skill. We don't worry about it. Well, what do we want? Do we want to have that skill? Number one, if we do, then go after it, then aggressively go after it and worry about how to get it. And so, and there's always going to be setbacks and things like that. But if we always keep our mind focused on the things that we want and how to get it, I mean, it's just a better way to live, man. It's, that's how successful people operate. That's what top dominant athletes do. They're not focused on all the other stuff that doesn't matter and all the other excuses and limitations. You know what I mean? And that's like, an aggressive mindset that anybody can take on. Like you don't have to be, you know, a top CEO or like a, you know, an NFL player in order to do that. You can be a mom and have this attitude. You know what I mean? You could be like a sales guy at Best Buy and have this attitude where you're only focused on what you want and how to get it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And when you're feeling the fear, when you're feeling scared, when you're worried about something, how do you turn that into confidence? You have a pretty good strategy for this that we talked about earlier. Oh, yeah. So I love this, man. This is what I call prime time. It's, I would say it's about two to three minutes and it's a routine that I do basically anytime feeling a, a, an emotion that I know is not productive. There's always times we got fear. We got doubt. We got worried. 
and we may be overwhelmed with a certain feeling or emotion. But the thing that I realize is that, and this is through a lot of reading and just like analyzing guys who really are getting it, you know what I mean? Who are really succeeding is like, they're always like in control of their emotions. So it doesn't mean that they don't have negative emotions. It just means that they always have a way to turn it around. You know what I mean? And so that means when you're tired or apathetic or things like that. And so it's basically like three questions that I ask myself. And so it's, I got this, Tony Robbins calls it the triad, right? And so there's three things that affect your emotions at all time. And I like to call it the triple threat. And it's basically like your body. So the one thing is how you're using your body. The second thing is your focus, like what you're thinking about. And the third thing is your words, meaning like what type of language are you using and what type of words and what's the quality of like your self-talk. But basically, like you can manipulate any and all three of these things anytime you want and you can change how you feel. And so this is something that I do now. I do it every single morning and I always do it before, you know, I've done it before interviews, before sales calls and things like that. And I teach my athletes to do it. This is what they do at any time, like before practice and before games. But basically, you want to imagine that you already achieved the result. So picture whatever results you're trying to get or the feeling that you're going after. So let's say you wake up in the morning and you feel extremely tired. You know what I mean? Or or let's take a, a better example before a uh, a sales call, for example. You know what I mean? And sure. you feel really nervous. Like identify the feeling that you want to get. You know what I mean? So you want to feel confident going to that sales call. You don't want to feel nervous. And so feeling confident, that's how you're going to feel when you've already achieved the result. So the first thing with, you want to affect your body is if you already felt that feeling, right? If you already achieved that result, what would you be standing like? And so I literally stand how I would be, you know, if I already st- had that result. And then how would I breathe? I start breathing in that way. So chances are I wouldn't be, you know, biting my nails and hunched over if I was feeling really confident. So the way that you use your body directly affects how you feel. So we want to put ourselves, our body in that state. So the second thing is focus. So what would you focus on? So when we're scared about something or nervous, we're always picturing something that we don't want. So instead, what would I be focusing on if I was extremely confident and I was about to kill this sales call? I would be focusing on making that sales call. I'd be focusing on the script that I've practiced over and over and over. I'd be thinking about, you know, how I'm going to feel afterward or going out for that drink with my guys afterwards celebrating. And so that would create that good feeling. And then the last thing is the words that I use. And so that's actually like a one of the a really big distinction is like your self-talk, like the quality of the words that you use, not just in your head, but out loud as well. So when you hear somebody talk about, you know, before they might say, this is going to suck or I hate this or man, why am I so nervous? Like the words you're using are affecting how you feel. If you use different words, you know, you can dramatically affect the way you feel. So instead say, man, I got this. I'm nobody's more prepared than me. You know what I mean? I can do this. You want to start telling yourself the things that you would want to hear yourself say if you were really confident. And so it's really those three things, man, your body, your focus, your words. And one of the things that I do to sort of dramatize it is I play music in the background. I'm a hip hop guy. So I got mm-hmm. I got a bunch of hip hop instrumentals and I just play the instrumental. You know what I mean? And then I play it loud and then I put myself in that state. And without fail, man, you will find yourself feeling unstoppable. You know what I mean? And so I sort of have my formula, if you will. I've gone through it many times. But if you go through those three steps and you do it over and over and over again and you really approach it with an aggressive mindset. So it's not really something you can do with sort of like, yeah, how would I feel? Like you got to like go after it. You know what I mean? Because you're really counteracting some negative emotions. And so you're going to have to really exaggerate it. And so I find that it's extremely effective. I suggest people try that out. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I mean, anytime you change your physiology, we know the mind follows the body, the body follows the mind, right? So if we change our physiology, we can help our mindsets to change as well. 
And if you want to focus on the right mindset, it would be the one that you would have after you succeed at whatever it is you're about to do. Exactly, exactly. And that's a big thing with athletes, man. There's been a lot of studies on this and uh, the Russians have really perfected this, but it's starting to catch wind a lot in the U.S. And I still don't understand why a lot of coaches don't teach this as actively, but it's the power of visualization. It's like your mind, like it can't distinguish between what's real and what's not. So if you're feeling that feeling, like if you're imagining those things happening, like it's already real to you. You know what I mean? And so you could actually start experiencing the success that you're after. Like right now, you don't have to wait. And that's the whole idea of prime time. It's like, I shouldn't have to wait until I make the sales call to feel confident. Like, why don't I just feel confident right now and then go do it? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that's going to give me so much more of an edge. And it's made a big difference just in my energy levels as well, honestly. It's like, that's been another belief that I've had to change because a lot of people have the belief that, you know, your energy is basically determined by how much sleep you get or your, you know, whatever genetics you have. It's like, to me, man, energy is a state of mind. It's like literally I can create energy at any time that I want if I decide to. You know what I mean? So at any time, just think, just imagine like anywhere you have, you feel you have low energy. If somebody threw a tiger in a room, you would have max energy. Like you would be able to run as fast as you ever could. And to me, just knowing that it tells me that there's something that I can do that I can think about in order to give me that energy. And so I, I'm always trying to find different ways to think about it. Like when I'm in the gym and I'm not feeling that I don't got that pop. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'll just imagine something else. I'll just imagine what would Hulk be thinking right now? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I'm just thinking like Hulk would be looking at this weight like this ain't no problem. So I just start imagining that I'm Hulk and then I start to get incredible amounts of energy just by thinking about something different. It's an incredible power that everyone has. You know what I mean? Once you realize it, you can use it and leverage it at any point that you decide. That is powerful. I think a lot of people feel helpless in situations where they feel non-productive emotions, fear being one of them, anxiety, right. things like that, which have physiological components, right? And people might go, oh, this is woo-woo. You're just talking about visualization. Bear in mind, anxiety and fear matter a lot less when their physiological component is removed, right? Like if you're exactly. scared, you know, if you're scared about something or if you're nervous about something and you feel that tension, you feel like your muscles are tight, you feel like you can't think straight, the reason that that's affecting you is because there's a real physical thing going on there. Exactly. If we change our physiology, like you suggest, and we change our bodies, those physiological components, they counteract each other, right? You can't be nervous and super happy at the same time, or you can't be really confident and super anxious at the same time. It's very difficult to do that. So you have to focus on one emotion versus the other, and the one that you're focusing on, chances are, will overpower the other one physiologically as well. And that's why the mind follows the body and the body follows the mind. It's not some like healing magical crystal universe provides type of principle. There's there's science behind this in that we're just changing your physiology. We're removing the emotions power to change your body. Exactly, man. I want to challenge the listeners out there and and really much anybody who, and you know this because I'm sure you uh, get in contact with a lot of guys who talk about, you know, oh, that's some woo-woo type stuff or, you know, that's some just some self-help type. I'm like, Look at the people who are actually getting results. The people who say that, I never heard anyone successful ever poo-poo anything like about visualization or the power of physiology and how it can change your state of mind. Like, I've never heard that. It's always the people who aren't getting the results that they want that are so quick to write off all these things that, you know, they'll hear about, but they're not willing to try. So if there's something that is not working out for you, you know what I mean? Like, if you have a result that you're not getting, it's in your best interest to try some junk that you may have, you know, sort of written off in the past. And that's a real chat. Like, I want people to start to think that way because this is, it was the same thing with me, man. There was at a point in time in my life where 
I wasn't getting results and I knew certain things, but I wasn't willing to like actually do them because I'd be like, oh, that doesn't work or that doesn't do this. But it doesn't work because you have never tried it and you've never done it correctly. You know what I mean? And you haven't been consistent. So when you feel that sort of urge to like say, oh, well, that doesn't work. And that happens. I read a lot of books and like I find that challenge even still when I'll read something and it will be something that's been repeated to me. And I'll, I'm like, oh, no, nah, I don't know about that. But I have to dispel that and say, you know what? Maybe this person knows something that I don't know yet because that's why I'm reading his book right now. You <laughs> yeah, know what no I mean? No kidding, right? So yeah. like, I mean, I find that that really helps a lot. And you never know. Not everything is going to work for you. You know, not every technique, but you will find one that is guaranteed to change your life. You know what I mean? Like, I'm telling you, like, I've listened to podcasts from you. Like, I, I still remember my first year as a firefighter. This was a couple of years ago. And it's kind of like a military where you got to do all the chores and stuff like the young guys. Right. And so I'm doing all my chores and I'm listening to your podcast with the one with Ramit Sethi. You know what I mean? And this was when I was really young in this sort of entrepreneur journey. The things that I heard on that, I ended up downloading that. I think I got it from uh, Ramit Sethi. He had it downloaded for free. But the, the interview that he did with you, the things that you learn in, in a podcast, a free podcast, you know what I mean? Like you're learning things that I've learned things about money and things that absolutely changed you know, the way that I deal with money and have dramatically increased the results that I get with money. This is a podcast, you know what I mean? That is for free that anyone has access to. But because I actually listened to it, internalized it, and then applied it, I got incredible value from it. And there's things that are staying with me to this day, you know what I mean? And so there's so many resources out there. And I'll really just challenge people to sort of get rid of this idea that, you know, these guys, like it's sort of poo-pooing all these things that you've heard over and over there's probably a reason why you're hearing it over and over. Yeah, no, you're right. All right, back to Nii Shobo. Sure, there's the possibility that trendy psychological psychobabble takes hold in people, and that's fine, and that does happen. But when you start to look at really successful people and what they're focusing on, you start to go, all right, well, there's a common denominator here. So even yeah. if whatever this is, is placebo, then it's doing something. And even if it's not working at all, and we can't figure out which of these, let's say, five rituals are working and which ones aren't, it's kind of a good idea to do all of them until we have yeah. scientific proof that something is not working. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's always better than not doing anything. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, yeah. And, and like you said, there's always a common denominator. So one person might word it a certain way or but there's always a common theme. And to even to just understand the psychology behind why they're saying what they're saying. So they might have a certain way of doing something. But if you understand why that is and what effect they're trying to, you know, reverse or what what thing they're going after, just by knowing that alone, you you can understand that because. Emotions is a great example. Like I never really valued the power of emotions before, you know, I started reading and things like that. Even as an athlete, like I was always taught like, you know, oh, like don't get too emotional. And like, what does that even mean anyway? Like everyone has emotions <laughs> right. at every time during the day. So it's not like you can not have emotions. But once you learn how to actually master your emotions and once I really learned what that meant, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like this is the most important thing I could have ever learned as an athlete. You know what I mean? Like never mind how much weight I lifted or how much I worked out. If I just learned how to master my emotions, how much more effective I would be in every single aspect of my life, including like as an athlete. I mean, it would be it's ridiculous. So even just understanding, like learning about psychology and why it's important to understand how your mind works and things like that is, is so valuable. I agree 100%. I think the psychology behind why things work is even more important than 
the actual drill and exercise itself. And that's right. why we focus so much on beliefs, mindsets, and things like that at, at The Art of Charm. One thing that I'm, I'm really interested in is you, you actually survey your wife and your kids every week. What do you mean by that? I mean, why do you do that? And what are you hoping to, to get from that? So, yeah, so I was, um, I love to improve, you know what I mean? And so I love to see like growth, like actual measurable growth. And so I chart everything that I do. So every time I step foot in the gym or, you know, anything that I'm doing, I have charts like over all over my house. I have to start putting them in frames now because my wife like thinks they're so tacky, you know what I mean? But I think it's really invaluable to chart and be able to actually measure the things that are going well in your life and the things that are not so that you can take like a systematic approach on how to improve it. You know what I mean? And so I interview all my um, or survey all my my uh, athletes, of course, right? And their parents and things like that. And I would get like incredible feedback just in terms of just understanding some of the things that are holding them back. And I always enjoyed reading them because I do the Google Docs, right? And so I'd, I'd sit down and read them and I'd get so much from it. And here I am sort of having issues with the balance, you know what I mean? Of being an entrepreneur, a full-time firefighter. And I have five children and I have, I'm married and this is my second year of marriage. So anyone who's married knows that it's really tough in the first couple of years of marriage, it's especially tough when you've got the goals that I got, you know what I mean? But I'm not about to use that as an excuse for why I have a bad marriage or why I'm not reaching my goals. I want to have both, you know what I mean? And so I was thinking about it and I'm like, why am I not asking my wife questions on a weekly basis? Like just very basic questions. Same thing with my daughter, who's 11. I haven't done this with my younger kids yet, but my daughter, who's 11, I do this with. And so one of the problems that was coming up in my, in my relationship is that me and my wife, we both would do this. We'll sort of, we'll tell each other what's not going well, but the way that we're doing it is just all wrong. You know what I mean? It's a bad timing. It makes the other person defensive and it's just not done the right way. So I was like, if I just sort of give her a survey, just put together a real easy survey for her to do that has her rate me on a scale of one to 10 in certain areas. And then the question is very simple. So on a scale of one to 10, you know, how am I doing? Like, let's say communication. How am I communicating? Cause that's one of my struggles is really being able to communicate effectively with her and consistently. She'll rate me. And then, and then if it's not a 10, which it has never been yet, <laughs> she always, uh, then the next question I ask is, what would it take in order to make that a 10? And so instead of her saying like, you never do this or you never do that. She instead tells me whatever it is that I need to do in order to be perfect, to make it a 10, for her to be completely satisfied. And she basically is giving me the answers to the test. And she's, it's very detailed. And I do this, like I said, in many different categories. And since I've done it, man, it's like, it's incredible, man. And with my daughter as well, like my daughter actually loves to do it, like, because she's very expressive, you know, and so she loves it. I send her the email as well, like a Google Doc through her email and she loves it. And she fills it out and she gives me so much valuable feedback on things that I can do better. You know what I mean? And so to me, it's, it's a no brainer. If you're, a, if you're a father or a husband or an employee anywhere, you should always be looking for ways to get better. Like if you're not doing that, then that's probably why you're not happy or you're, you know, depressed or you're not getting the results you want. You should be constantly looking for ways to get better. And for me, I found that surveying my wife and my kids has been a very effective way of doing that. And not only that, it provides some consistency and it's sort of structured and systematic, which I like because my life is very sort of, I have a lot of things going on. It's easy to forget certain things. It's easy to forget, to sit my wife down and ask her, you know, hey, how am I doing in X, Y, and Z? But now I have an actual system for doing it and it's been extremely helpful. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, feedback is really important from especially those that are closest to you. 
you have to obviously be able to separate things from emotional feedback. But if you do it regularly, you can see the trend, right? Like if someone's just mad at you, they'll be like, this is a zero, you right? yeah. you know, but yeah. like if, if you do it every week and you can see gradual trends and improvement, you're less likely to be affected by kind of like a random outlier where someone's yeah. like, I'm really upset with you and you change everything around and six months later, they're like, what'd you do that for? Oh, yeah. I was just mad at you. I don't know why you changed your whole life around that, you know? Exactly. And chances are when they have to sit down and actually do it, like for my wife, for example, she's not going to be, hopefully she's not upset, steamed at me while she's writing. It's like, she's probably had time to cool off a little bit. And not only that, like, and this is with my daughter, especially, she really appreciates the fact that I want to get better. You know what I mean? Like right. just the fact that I was willing to put together a set of questions for her and that I value her feedback and I'm asking for it. Like my parents did a great job raising me. They never did that with me. You know what I mean? I think I would have had a lot of feedback to give them about things that they can do better in order to make me feel more, you know, comfortable or more confident and things like that. And so now I really encourage that with all my kids is like to really give feedback and not be afraid to sort of speak up for the things that they want. So that survey sort of encourages that. You're big on being uncomfortable as a means to growth. Right. Tell us about that. Cause I think a lot of people pay lip service to that. And then when it comes down to getting outside their comfort zone, they're like, yeah, I'll do that later. Right. Exactly. Like, to, like I said, man, like for me, I really enjoy I really enjoy growth. And so I know, and part of this comes from being an athlete is like, you really don't make growth without being uncomfortable. So I'll just give you some examples of being an athlete, just very practical in terms of lifting weights. If, if anyone's ever lifted weights, you know that in order to get stronger, like your muscles have to actually tear, you know what I mean? And then rebuild again. And so that's an example. Another thing is, you know, during uh, two a days, we have like sort of camp in, in August and so we have to go through these. There's so much repetition involved in sports. And naturally, football is a very dangerous and physical sport. So you're going to feel those pains. And you understand that you've sort of been conditioned as an athlete to know, you know, you've heard no pain, no gain and things like that, right? Sure, of course. That's a that's a term that, you know, sometimes it's true, sometimes it's not. But most of the time, that's true. If you're actually doing something with the intention of getting better and you're doing it in the right way, obviously. But so one of the things that I realized is like anytime you're really reaching a plateau or like you're unhappy, it's because you're trying to be too comfortable, like because it's natural for us to want to feel, you know, that that feeling of comfort. But if you like sort of constantly seek that, you're going to find yourself like plateauing and not really making progress. And so I know that I love growth and I know that growth requires me to do things that make me feel uncomfortable. I now associate like pleasure with feeling uncomfortable. So I know that if I'm doing something and I feel really nervous doing it, then like I'm getting a lot from it. And so I've recently like I started doing Toastmasters and doing a lot of different public speaking and things like that. And like I literally like find every opportunity to make myself take myself outside of my comfort zone in order to sort of raise the pressure, if you will. And so this is another sort of a good distinction when you talk about dominant players is like, you know, I was reading this book called Relentless by yeah. um, Tim Grover. And I don't know if you read that. I haven't, but it's been recommended. And I, I've talked to, to him about this. Eventually, we'll do something with it. Yeah, but it's it's comes highly recommended. Oh, man, it's an amazing book. But this is, I mean, they, the guy trained Michael Jordan, and Kobe Bryant. So that's pretty much reason enough alone to read yeah, the book. Exactly. But uh he talks about pressure, man. And pressure is one of those things that creates, it, it makes people uncomfortable and people like to run from pressure. But he talked about Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan, like the things they, they would actually intentionally raise pressure 
So crank up pressure on themselves every single day so that on game day, like they're, they're used to exercising that pressure muscle so frequently that that's why they're so calm when it actually comes time to do it. And so it's basically this idea of approaching everything with a hundred percent intensity and full intention with everything that you do so as to create pressure. And then when it actually comes time to perform, that's when you get, you get to be in the zone. That's when you get to like, you know, quote unquote, focus on the process or whatever. So sort of be in the zone and let it flow. But people think you can let it flow without, you know, creating pressure and being uncomfortable. And that's not possible. So like for me, these are three things that I would suggest everyone do. And they're very practical and uh, that you can do to start intentionally sort of raising the pressure. One thing that makes people uncomfortable is setting goals. And the reason why a lot of people don't set goals is because, and they say things like, oh, just focus on the process, is because they're scared of not reaching the goal, because that's what creates pressure. But if you actually embrace that and you set goals at every chance you get, you'll start exercising that muscle. So even if it's things like waking up in the morning, like, yo, I'm going to wake up tomorrow at six o'clock. And if I don't, you know, I'm going to make a bet with my guy that I got to pay him $40. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like just something little, just every single time, like, the first thing I'm going to do in my work before I uh, take my first break is I'm going to make 20 sales calls. Like that's my goal. And then your mind literally focuses on that. The only thing, and then time is flying. And the, the feeling that you feel when you actually achieve that is a good feeling that you get. And even if you don't get it, you're just exercising that muscle. So like I said, when I go to the gym man, nothing I do in the gym is not track. Like I've just recently gotten into rowing and rowing is like extremely painful for me. You know uh -huh, what I mean? Like, sure. It's hard, but I have times that I'm going after every single time I go into the gym. So I'm not just doing it just to do it. And I feel uncomfortable before I do it. I'm like, you know, in the morning I'm thinking, ah, oh, damn, I told myself I'm doing the um, right. uh, 5,000 meter today. And I'm thinking about it. If you embrace that pressure and realize that like when you do it and you actually overcome it, you are going to gain so much. It's like interest. You know what I mean? It's like money in the bank. Compounding returns. Yeah. It's like, it's incredible when you actually embrace the pressure and then do it. And then the second thing, once you do set those goals at every chance you get, is just track and monitor every single move that you make. When you track everything, like it's easier to keep yourself accountable and it's, it becomes harder to lie to yourself, you know, because a lot of people will say, yeah, I work out, you know what I mean? But if you actually track it, like you don't work out, you work out like once a week, like, but you're saying that you work out four times a week, but you actually don't. And so when you track it, that starts to up the ante a little bit and put a little pressure on yourself because no one likes to lie to themselves and no one likes to be a liar. So you actually purposely are keeping yourself accountable. And then the, the next thing, man, is to really renew your commitment daily, like renew your commitment to your most important goals every single day. You know what I mean? I do this twice a day. I write my goals down morning and night. I have daily goals. I have monthly goals. I have yearly goals and I write them every single day. Like, I look at them. I have them posted up in my bedroom by my desk. My background on my phone is tatted with all my, my goals and my dreams. And so it's really important for you to renew that daily because that constantly sort of is like applying pressure on yourself. Again, it, it sounds like people don't like pressure. So it, yeah, they want to avoid that. Yeah. It's actually like the best feeling you could have. You know what I mean? Like once you actually learn how to adjust to it, you know what I mean? And use it to your advantage. And like I said, when you read that book, Relentless, man, you will get insight into how Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, these guys think, man, they are results oriented. You know what I mean? Like they focus on results every single time they're in a the gym, they're doing something. They've got an objective. I like that's one of the things that I hear a lot and that I've read in some books that kind of frustrates me is like 
this whole like, like don't worry about the result type of thing. And I get that to a certain degree, but you kind of have to earn the right to do that by becoming obsessed with your result in the beginning. Yeah, of course. And sort of like you got to have an objective. You got to have a goal, a reason why you're doing what you're doing. And if you don't, that's why the people who are talking about focus on the process are really not. I mean, if you have something against goals, then chances are you're not really succeeding that much. You know what I mean? Like if you're not really setting goals, because everyone has to do that if you want to create that pressure, you know what I mean? And really drive towards something. I really want the audience to know that anything that they're trying to do, like it's actually a, a 10 minute process that I really want to explain about how to set up your life vision that I feel like would be very uh powerful. And I think it's like the precursor to like what anyone should do. Tell us a little bit about target practice, this thing you created for, for us that we'll have linked up as well at I'm not you.com slash art of charm. We got a little bonus here. Oh, cool, man. So yeah, the uh, target practice is a system that I set up for the, for my athletes and that I use myself. It's become a way for me to set up like bulletproof habits and really have a way to track and monitor them at every point of the process. And we talked a lot about the psychology behind why you do certain things. And so in this like 12 page ebook, I basically break down every step of the way in terms of setting, identifying habits, setting them up and coming up with a way to track them and monitor them. And then also the psychology or the, the G code is what I call it, which is the belief system that you should have about habits that will help you and sustain you, you know, when it sort of gets tough and easy to give up. And so it's a program that I use with my pro athletes, with my younger athletes that I implement myself. It is for athletes, but I've catered it towards the Art of Charm audience. And so whatever it is that you're trying to do, whether it's start a business, whether it's create a better relationship with your wife or your kids, it's basically a way for you to track and monitor these habits. And you can go to I'm not you.com backslash Art of Charm and download that. And be sure to let me know what you think. You can email me with any questions that you have, but I would love to hear any feedback that you guys have and, and some great results that you get from it. It's a, it's a great tool. Thanks, Nee. This has been awesome. I really appreciate it. The athletes and the non-athletes alike appreciate it as well. No doubt, man. I appreciate you having me on. Interesting stuff. I love it. Prime time for the win. Definitely using those emotions, framing those negative emotions, taking away their physiological power is really, really powerful in terms of taking control of your body and removing the emotional control over your state. I know that sounds a little complicated, but we work on that a lot at AOC Bootcamp. We spend a lot of time working on this. It is extremely, it is extremely powerful. I love the surveying of the wife and kids. I think it's great. I mean, it's a great way to continue moving forward. There's no doubt about it, as strange as it might sound. And yes, being outside your comfort zone, absolutely the best way to grow. I don't know anybody that would argue with that. Show feedback and guest suggestions. The show is a fanarchy, it's run by you. I rely on you to help keep our finger on the pulse. So if you know someone who's a good fit for the show, let us know. I'm Jordan at theartofcharm.com. And if you enjoyed this one, don't forget to thank me on Twitter. We'll have that linked in the show notes with the other resources mentioned on the show as well. Bootcamp details at theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp. And also on the website are bonus episodes that aren't released in the iTunes feed for those of you who just can't get enough AOC. Remember, subscribe to the show on iTunes or check us out on our new network, Podcast One. We also have our iPhone and Android apps available at theartofcharm.com slash iPhone and in the Android marketplace as well. You can help us review us on iTunes, give us a five-star rating, write something nice. It'll help us stand out from all the other schmucky schmucks, and it helps people get the credible advice they need. It's also the best way to support the show other than purchasing products and training from us. Special thanks to the Jasons for their help in production of the Art of Charm podcast. Tell your friends, because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else, either in person or shared on the web. Now have a great week and leave everything and everyone better than you found them.
Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com. 